Okay, so then they buy a Ford truck. And after that, they're like, man, I really just want something that runs. And so... So they get a Dodge Ram because they need a car that can run. <laughs> Four men just stood up and left our church. I know you're going to find your place somewhere. What greed does is it gives you an appetite that is never satisfied. You're always going to want more. Also, you become self-centered. In this passage, I, me, my, mine, used 14 times in just a couple of verses. So it's not just insecurity, it's not just pride that causes you to talk about yourself, it can also be greed, where it's about you. He says, man, I'm just, I know what I'll do, I'll just build bigger barns. And then he wrote a song titled, I Like Big Barns and I Cannot Lie. There's gonna be a lot of this today, so just settle in. Here's, a, here's an important reality and perspective to have. If you store up treasure on earth every day, you will move further and further away from that. Because if you're storing up treasure on earth, every day you are moving further and further away from what is natural and temporary and here on earth and closer and closer to an eternity one way or the other. But if you invest in eternity, then every day you get closer to that investment. And that's a way more encouraging thing to think about. The word talks about that, where moths and rust don't decay, where things will last for eternity. Another thing that will show you that you're being greedy is your dreams shrink and you don't even know it. You become very, very simple in the way that you dream about your life. He says in this passage, I'm just gonna take life easy, like eat, drink, and be merry. But he's having non-productive dreams. It's kind of the mindset of, I can't wait till I can stop working. And let's just be honest, that's the American dream that we're all conditioned to try to live. Like, man, wouldn't it be great if I just someday I just stop, stop working altogether? Look, and if you're retired, I'm not, I'll, praise God, I'm happy for you. But that doesn't mean that God has called you to stop dreaming about his kingdom. God hasn't called you to stop investing in his kingdom. You were born to say this, I can't wait till I'm totally free to accomplish everything that God wants me to do and to make a difference. This man in this parable, he's not passionate about making a difference. The crazy thing is, it seems like he's a productive and wise businessman. Like if we could see it within the context of how we would see success, I'm sure if we walked onto this person's estate and we saw all that he had accomplished, we think, man, this dude's like smart. I, I, mean, I need to get some financial advice from this man. But the Bible calls him a fool. And I want you to know, like in the Bible, when somebody's called a fool, especially if you study into the original language, it's a strong, strong name to call somebody. He's a fool. And I think if we walked onto his property, we'd think, a fool doesn't live here. A smart person lives here. But God just calls it like it is. Why a fool? Because he's calculated everything in his life, but he has left God out of the financial equation. 
That's what makes him a fool. 1 Timothy 6.18 says this, tell people to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and should give happily to those in need, always being ready to share whatever God has given them. By doing this, they will be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity, not crypto, eternity. And they will be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. It's important for you to see that every time you give to God, you're making a deposit into the future, into eternity. So how does God use those offerings? The money that we bring him, how does he use it? First of all, God uses my giving to transform people. God uses my money to transform people. Luke 16, 19, I tell you, Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. In other words, invest in people, invest in relationships, invest in souls. New King James Version said it this way, and I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. In other words, look, money in and of itself is not holy. It is the love of money that is the root of all evil. But it's unrighteous until it's used for kingdom purposes. And then God makes it righteous. That when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting home, an everlasting home. God takes our offering and he reaches people with it. He's the only one that can take money and turn it into an eternal transformation in a soul. God does that. The Bible's clear on this. You are going to have some people greet you in heaven that your finances help reach. And the truth is when you're meeting them in heaven, it'll probably be the first time you've met most of them. You just had no idea. You had no idea. You were just being faithful. So when you think of all the missions trips and all the services and all the events and all the reaches, outreaches, every time people are running around with red shirts on trying to serve people that had needs, every ounce of technology, every time we've used a, a social media platform or we've posted a video, all of those things, God uses all those things, takes our offerings and it, he goes with them. He puts his anointing on them and we get eternal credit for it. I'm very encouraged by that. I'm thankful for that principle. And God is all about having a growing, thriving family that's being transformed. That's what he's all about. Where the lost can get found. Where the lost can be, get found. Just this year, to this point, just to this point, well, I need to adjust this number. As of today, 463 people have made decisions to make Jesus their Lord and Savior, just at this campus, so far this year. And we've had 102 people go public with that decision through water baptism, just this year, so far. God wants to see people getting set free too. You know what else I love to see? I love to see when somebody goes on social media and they post a picture of themselves back when they were bound in addiction to something. And then they post a new picture of how God has transformed their life since then. And it's not just the physical transformation that's amazing. You can see it in their eyes. You can tell, man, there is a joy and there is a peace there. I love seeing people get set free and restored. I love it when the devil thinks he's able to make one more marriage a stat and God says, not today. 
and he heals that marriage and restores him. And I want you to know that even if you feel like you're beyond that, nothing is beyond God's ability. Nothing is beyond God's ability to restore and to heal and to reconcile. I love seeing God do that. And in case it's not totally clear, people need the gospel right now more than ever. And we have to be faithful with that gospel. God takes our offerings and he turns it into freed and saved souls. We get to participate in that. God uses my giving to train people, to train people. Isaiah 55, two. Why spend all your money on food that doesn't give you strength and does you no good? Listen, I tell you where to get food that's good for the soul. In other words, we've gotta be building way more than just the natural physical vessels that we have. What is feeding your spirit person the protein it needs to grow the muscle that it needs to accomplish the spiritual work that God has set before you? Because one of the, one of the things that we do as the body of Christ is we are into not just being equipped, but equipping others. We gotta train people around us. The way that God designed the church to work is you guys get trained to do the work of the ministry. My primary responsibility is not to run around doing all the pastor work. My primary responsibility is to equip the saints for the ministry. So all of us carry that responsibility. We are not going to follow the typical model in church where 20% of the people do 80% of the giving and serving and working. We're not gonna follow that model. We're gonna urge, we're gonna train, and we're gonna get people to join in as the body of Christ, everybody sharing their role of responsibility with making sure that we're being obedient to what God has called us to be. Can I get an amen from anybody here? It's gotta be that way. It's gotta be that way. When you leave here, your ministry begins. When you leave a small group, your ministry begins. Every time you engage with people, there should be a a moment of growth. There should be a moment of challenge. There should be a moment of encouragement. There should be a moment of scripture. There should be a moment of prayer. And all those things help you strengthen your spirit person so that you can go and do the work. Don't let the devil lie to you that because you didn't go to a seminary or cemetery as I like to call it sometimes, that just because you didn't go somewhere and get formal Bible training that you don't have what you need to do the work of the gospel. Tell that to the early church. They didn't have seminary. They didn't have Bible schools. They received a little bit. They took that. They gave it to someone else. And then they went and got a little bit more and they turned around. They gave that to somebody else. And those people were doing it to somebody else. And those people were doing it to someone else. That's how the body of Christ works. It's exponential. It's reproductive. And you don't have to be a theologian to do it. You just have to know Jesus, have a testimony, and start learning his word. And if you'll stand on it, the Holy Spirit will help equip you to do the rest of the work, I promise you. You were born to grow. God created you to grow. And not just the kind of growing we're gonna do this week eating all this food. No, he he called you to grow spiritually, to never stop growing. The most miserable people I know, they are the people that stop growing. The most bored people I know, the most purposeless people I know are the people that just chose to stop growing. They quit. Not only that, but bored people are also the most susceptible to sin. The people I see falling into the enemy's plan are the people that just quit pursuing their spiritual growth. They quit. They got distracted. They put other things as a priority. 
They put even good things that weren't God things as a priority ahead of their spiritual growth and it set them up to fall into sin. That's what the enemy does. He's roaring around like a lion, seeking whom he can devour. He's sneaking. God's called us to train people. Amen? Did you know your physical body gets to a place called a set point? Okay? And basically what happens with this, it's where your weight, it's the weight range that your body likes to live at. Okay? And what happens if you get to a set point that's not where you need to be, the only way that you can force yourself out of that is to get out of your comfort zone. And the only way, I've got news for you, the only way that you can get that right, you've got to exercise and sweat and drink weird stuff like water. But you're going to have to challenge yourself out of it. And the same thing happens spiritually. You can get to a place in your spiritual walk where you're in a comfort zone. And your soul needs to be radically challenged out of that place. Welcome to church. So maybe you need what you need. You need biblical community. What do I mean by that? These are our life groups, but not everybody in our church can go to a life group. But you know what? They make it a priority to circle up with some other people at their work. They understand that we're two or more gathered. He's there with them. So they just find people that need to grow. They understand the principle of discipleship and they grow. But why do I say biblical community? Because I don't want just people that I can relate to and hang out with. That's important. I want to have people that understand what good sports are, what the good teams are. Like, I want to have people that have that, you know. I want to have people that I can relate to, but I want to have people that I can grow with. Biblical community means they're not just going to leave me where I'm at. They understand there's a call of God on my life that I'm not gonna get to if I'm not experiencing some sort of challenge from the outside. And I'm gonna submit myself to that challenge because I wanna accomplish everything that God has for me. Because someday I want you to stand before the Lord and I want him to say, well done, you reached your full potential. Not everybody's gonna get that well done, good and faithful servant. It's the people that say, no, I just kept growing. I just kept learning. We gotta be trained. And your giving goes to these kinds of things. Your giving goes to these kinds of things. Maybe you need to get off the bench and get in the game of serving. Okay, look, I understand that some of you, you serve all the time throughout the week. And not just your job, you're serving people all the time. And maybe you just need to come into church and get refilled. I can appreciate and I respect that. But you need to know this. If you don't have some platform where you have to sacrifice your time, your energy, your comfort to serve people, outside of your comfort zone, you are missing the Christian walk altogether. Because to be a Christian literally means Christ-like. Christ came to serve. That's the primary thing that he did. A non-serving Christian is an oxymoron that doesn't even make sense. And so maybe for you, the way that you need to be trained is you just need to get out of your comfort zone and start serving the body of Christ again. Or maybe you need something more. Maybe you need a school of ministry where you can get equipped with with more knowledge and more understanding. I don't know what it is, but you're giving. The people who give around here, it goes to these kinds of things so we can train people. God uses our giving to provide tools. God uses my giving to provide tools. The things that we build or buy, we look at them as tools for the kingdom of God. And here's the filter that we go through with everything that we do. Everything that we do, every time we use any of the widow's might, even a penny, this is the filter. 
Can I win a soul? Can I train a believer? Can I win a soul? Can I train a believer? If we're gonna do a program, if we're gonna buy something, if we're gonna buy a piece of equipment, it's all gonna go through that filter. Will this help us win souls? Will it help us train believers? And everything that we have and everything we do, we think about it that way. Let me give you a couple of examples. Right before COVID started, this man felt led, not at this campus, different campus, he felt led that he was supposed to buy a brand new camera for that campus, a nice video camera, okay? So he went and he bought this, and those things are not cheap, okay? But he went and he bought this, and he just said, I'm supposed to give this to the church. He gave it to the church, COVID hit, bam. Church shut down, at least for a little bit. Y'all remember that? Okay, we're not gonna shut down churches anymore, by the way, okay? But, but during that time, what did we do? We just did the best we could with what we have. We made videos. We posted videos. So during COVID, we were using videos and, and YouTube and social media platforms and all that to preach the gospel, to try to keep people connected to the body of Christ. So COVID ends, this man shows up at this campus and he says, hey, I wanna let you know, I'd never been to church before, COVID was hard on us. One day I get online and I watch a service from your church. A couple weeks later, after we watched those services a couple times, me and my whole family, we dedicated our life to Jesus. And now I wanna get plugged into this church and I want my whole family to get baptized in this church. We got saved through watching a video of this church. Okay, well that man that bought that camera didn't know that it was gonna add up to souls, but it did. It was a tool that we were able to use for souls. For years and years, we've been going down to Peru and building a Bible school. Some men in this at this campus have gone on some of these trips. We've been going into, this, into the middle of the Amazon jungle, building a Bible school. And we've been doing it for years and years and years. Well, when COVID hit, that whole country was really locked down. They would not allow people to go to church buildings. So five different churches would hike through the jungle in the middle of the Amazon to go to the Bible school that we built and they would have church there. God uses these tools for souls and for training. In our very buildings, these buildings, I could care less about what this building looks like as long as it's effective at reaching souls and training people. This is a tool. That is all this is. This mic, tool. These speakers, tools. It's just a tool. But we also understand that we have to make our buildings as effective as possible if we wanna be effective at reaching souls and training believers. And we're getting to a place where we can see, man, we're missing some potential right now. We're missing some opportunities to reach people and to train people. And we're gonna get too full in our kids' rooms and then people are gonna be nervous about dropping their kids off. And we don't want anything to stand in the way of us being effective at reaching our city and our community. So we know we're gonna have to expand. We're gonna have to expand. I'm not expanding because I want a bigger building. Trust me. And it is so ridiculous how much it costs to build anything right now. Honestly, it's like, man, do we really need to do this? We feel like the Lord's telling us to do it. So we're just gonna have to trust him. So I wanna show you, and I've already showed this before, but it's been a while. Let me show you what we're gonna do and why we're gonna do it. Go ahead and put the slide up. Go ahead, right now, okay. All right, so this is what it's gonna look like. I promise there's gonna be color, okay? It won't look just like that. There's, there's, there, it, it, it will actually be in full color, HD, okay? But, but this is the addition, all right? Go to the next one. 
This is what the front of the building is going to look like, and it's all going to be the same color. I should have gone back with some crowns and drove some grass and trees and Mr. Bill greeting everybody at the front door. That's what I should have done. And there should have been 15 people he's hugging. I wouldn't let him go inside until he hugged them all, okay? All right? But, but, but that's what the front elevation is going to look like. All right, go to the floor plan because this is where it is, is really matters. All right, right now, none of, my, none of our staff have offices. There's really no place for any of them to meet with people, to counsel people. We have one big room. It's like the show, The Office back there. It really is like that, like same characters, the whole thing. But, but we're going to build some offices. But then right next to that, uh, we want to build a, a, a lot larger 412 room. 412 ministry is the fastest growing ministry in our church right now. We're running out of space and we wanna make sure they have a nice dedicated space that they can use. But we'll also use that a little bit more multi-purpose. And we're gonna to try to build that to where, hey, that real life can meet there. They have a designated space right now. Real life either meets in here or they meet in that family room back there. They're way too big for that. Right now, meeting in this room is fine. But I'll tell you, when you have, you know, 100 students, but you're in a room that fits 800, it feels a little bit weird. It's hard for high school students that are already a little bit awkward to feel comfortable and feel like they can really engage. So we want to give them more of a designated space. That space in the middle is one of the things I'm most excited about because that is going to be a designated space for our Kid Life Plus. This is for special needs kids that are in our community. You talk about an unmet need in our city and community right now. I don't know of another church. There might be one. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know of another church that has designated space with the right equipment, with the right tools, with the right environment that can meet the needs of special needs, kids that are on the spectrum, okay? And, and here's what I promise you. I promise you there will be families that would never even consider coming to a church that'll come to this church just because we're gonna have that space for their kids. And people are gonna get saved because of that space. Okay, so that's our Kill Life Plus space. And it may break up a little bit differently. It may be structured a little bit differently. And then we're gonna have a bigger Kid Life space that may also serve as a room for our real life students. We're gonna try to make it very diversified to where it doesn't get locked in with one age group. They're at the back because we're gonna take this Kid Life space and turn it into more classrooms because you guys like to have babies. And I'm thankful for that. We're growing the kingdom of God, amen? All right, so, so that's, that, that, that's a tool but it's becoming a necessary tool. And we have to be obedient with that. So a couple details. First of all, because of everything that's going on, this is costing way more than we initially were gonna be paying for it. So, so right now, like if we could build, even starting in the next couple of months, this building would cost probably about $2.2 million to build. Just that extension. Now that's everything, okay, but about 2.2. The longer we wait, I just, I hope the market settles down but I don't know that it's going to. And I think the longer we wait, the more expensive it's gonna get, okay? So the good news is this, because of other people, many of you that have continued to faithfully give towards vision, towards these efforts, right now we've got $500,000, right at $500,000 already in the bank, ready to go towards this project. That's a great starting point. That's after we just got done spending $400,000 on this parking lot out here, okay? And here's the thing, like, the only reason why we built the parking spot is because we know we're gonna lose this parking over here, right? So, so this is the next phase, and this is what we know we gotta head towards. And I know some of you are like, man, I don't know. This, I don't really care about these details. Here's the thing. I want you to care. I want you to care because this is souls. I want you to care because I don't wanna stop growing. I'm not interested in just settling. I'm not interested in like, yeah, I kinda like what we have here. I kinda like, this is comfortable. I like this. No. Sorry, you're not gonna like this church if that's the way you like to be. We're gonna keep growing. We gotta keep doing the things, even when it seems crazy, even when it seems like, man, how's that? What? 
I know God can do it. And he's asking us to be a part of it. Amen? So how do I get all in with my heart when it comes to the things of God? What he's asking me to do. Have you ever heard the phrase, follow your heart? Follow your heart. If you never heard that, if you watch the Hallmark Channel between now and Christmas, they'll say it a thousand times. Just follow your heart. It'll be the same five actresses and actors. It'll be the same plot line. You'll see it over and over and over again. And they'll say, follow your heart, follow your heart, follow your heart. Okay, that's bunk. That is bunk. The word says that your heart is desperately wicked. Don't follow your heart. You really need to watch and pay attention of what your heart follows. Pay attention to that. Because here's the thing, in our culture, most of the time, your heart follows your money. Your heart follows your money. That's the reason why Jesus talked about this so much, because he wants your heart. He wants your heart. Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So most of you probably don't care about like ExxonMobil. Like you could care less about that company. But I promise you, if you put $10,000 into stock with Exxon, you will be willing for the rest of your life to buy bad gas because you're invested in that. That's where your heart is. You'll do that. And, and the truth of the matter is, when it comes to your finances, you are always gonna be owned. You're gonna be owned. You're either gonna be owned by the resources or you're gonna be owned by the source that gives the resources, but you're gonna be owned. You'll be owned. I just wanna be owned by the person who gives the resources, amen? So how do I do this right? I wanna give you an illustration. I've got 10 $1 bills and I want this, these 10 $1 bills, it's gonna represent your income. And some of you are like, you're, it's scary how close to reality that is becoming, <laughs> okay? But I got 10 $1 bills, okay? So let's just say you, you just got your paycheck and you're considering each one of these dollar bills and you're looking at it all. You're thinking, okay, what should be the first thing that I think about? This is what the first thing is you should think about. Whose money is this? Whose money is your money? Whose? Okay, now that's the right church answer. Some of y'all, real Tim's like, oh, it's God's. It's God's money. No, absolutely, because the word says everything under the heavens is God's, everything. So you're right. And you're like, but hold on now. Like I got a promotion. Who gave you the ability? Who gave you the ability? Well, I, do. I work real hard. I'm real smart. Really? Well, you may be smart, but you're not Holy Spirit smart. You're not God anointed smart. You want to get that kind of smart, you're going to have to trust him first. You're going to have to trust him first. So, so that's the first question. Whose money is this? Well, it's all God's. Okay, so it's all God's. Uh, what does God ask me to give out of this? He asked me to give one of them. And the truth is, you don't give it. You return it. You don't give the tithe. We return the tithe. But he asked you to give one. One? But it's all his? How generous is our God? He only asked us to give one. Okay, which one? Which one? 
Well, seven of these going to groceries. Gas. My kids' clothes. Freaking puppy. Oh, oh, be careful. Because any all those maybe needs. But remember, where do we start? Whose money is it? God's. How much did he ask me to give? One. You don't make the list of all the needs and say, and if I have a little bit at the end, I'll bring him one. No. The first one is his. Now, why is that important? A lot of times we miss this, and I don't always do a good job teaching this. This is the fact. This is how covenant relationship with the Lord works. When you trust him with the first, he blesses the rest. Everything that you trust God with first, he blesses the rest. Okay, that's why you trust him with the first part of your day. The reason why devotional life is so important is because you don't want 167 to steal your salvation on the way to work. If you will come to the Lord and give him, if you will tithe him the beginning part of your day, he will put grace and mercy and bless the rest of your day. The reason why, one of the reasons why you come to church is because you wanna give him the first part of your week. I'm tithing this because I know that if I will trust him and be obedient in giving this, then he will bless the rest. It's the same thing with your family. It's the same thing with relationships and it's certainly the same thing with your finances. If you want God to bless the rest, you give him the first. It's the first fruit of your labor. Why do we do that? Because it's the strongest demonstration of trusting him. Because it could be so easy to say, but I'm barely making it right now. And you could very easily justify and say, but, but doesn't God also say to take care of my kids? Doesn't God also say that if you don't take care of your family, then you're worse than an unbeliever? Yeah, but let's not justify not trusting him with what he has asked us to bring him. A lot of times we get all that stress and we get all that worry because we didn't do the first thing. We didn't trust him with the first thing. You want peace that transcends understanding? Yeah, you do. How do you get it? You trust God. You trust God. And I have to go put this back in my kid's college fund. <laughs> it's literally the whole college fund, so. I hope they learn how to tithe. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and where do I give it? Well, the Bible refers to it as the storehouse of God's house. Okay? Because traditionally speaking, the Storehouse is where lots of needs were met. Physical needs, spiritual needs. So it was temples, it was synagogues. But for you, it's where you get fed. It's where you get fed spiritually. That's where you bring it. So for years, we've, we've done this once a year where we do this card. So I want you to go ahead and find this. If you have one of these around you, I just want you to look at it. You touching the card. It's not you committing to anything, so don't freak out. But we do one of these. Why do we do this? Because it shows us how much we can dream about the next year. It helps us to see who's ready, who may be close to ready, who's not ready at all. So it's a church ride across the state, all 18 campuses, all the people that attend there to update us on where we're at. Every healthy church needs to know their baseline. Like, where are they at? How are they doing? Who's doing well? Who needs to be healed? Who's been healed? 
who needs to still move slow. We can't connect as a vision and as a body of Christ if we don't connect on some level. This card helps us connect with the vision that God's given us. And this is an opportunity for us to determine if our commitment level to give is as big as the vision that God has given us for 2023. And I want you to know, like, I, I, when this has happened and it's come back lower than I would have loved in my heart, I've never been, like, bitter. I've just been like, okay, well, we're going to keep loving people. We're going to keep training people. We're going to keep doing everything we can. And I'm going to keep believing with all the faith that I can muster that we are going to be known as a church of supernatural generosity that we're gonna meet our potential in giving because we have one of the highest per capita incomes per household of any city in our state. We have the capacity to give above and beyond anything that God, that we could ever hope or imagine if people just started seeing the kingdom. And I just keep praying into that. And I keep believing into that. And I just keep asking our people, we're just gonna keep serving the best that we can. But there has been times when we've had to say no We've had to shut down or slow down something that God gave us because, because the commitment level wasn't ready yet. I'm gonna keep trusting God. I don't have a choice. <laughs> He's everything. I'm gonna have to trust him. I'm asking you if you'd be willing to help us. And all you have to do is you have to get with God, you have to ask him, and then you just let us know. And on this card is one of the ways you can let us know. I wanna walk through this real quick. Some of you have already read these options, but, but this is just how transparent we wanna be. I have never given. Okay, all right. You can attend here till Jesus comes back and never give a penny. You're gonna be missing out. You're gonna be missing out. And we're gonna be missing out, okay? I'm giving for the very first time. I'm believing that there's gonna be a lot of people that are gonna check this box. I'm believing for that. Uh, I'm an occasional giver. Awesome. Okay, well, that me probably means that you're not bringing the tithe, but, but every once in a while you feel the Lord prompt you to give and, and you give. I would encourage you, try staying consistent. Try staying consistent. Watch how it impacts your life. Okay, uh, I'm an intentional or automated giver. Okay, these are, all, this are, these are people that give online. They, they do an auto draft from their paycheck. Honestly, this is the most helpful giving in our church because we just know it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen no matter what. So if people miss church because they go on vacation or something happens, they just have that there. This is the way that Cody and I give. I, it just comes straight out of my paycheck. Well, I, that way I don't ever even have to look at it and consider the things I might do with it if I wasn't giving it. Our tithes, our offerings, it's just, it's gone. So then we have our same point, right? So, so this is savings and, and, and $10 for the kids' college fund, you know, the, all those types of things but it just comes automatically. So it's, it's the most healthy way that our people give. Now, if you wanna bring a check, you wanna bring you know, your tithes and offerings up here to the church and give it in the bucket because that's a physical demonstration of worship for you, please do that. Please do that, that's great. I'm just letting you know. Uh, I'm a tithing giver, okay? Or I'm a generous giver above and beyond the tithe. So you could check several boxes there. Like those last three boxes, there might be some of you, you can check all three of those. And I want you to be encouraged by that. I'm encouraged by how many people do that. And then you can let us know. Okay, so 
with the vision, okay, so specifically for us, it's this addition. It's this expansion. This is what this is what this is gonna be going to unless you indicate otherwise. I will give and then you ask God, what's the total amount that I, I wanna give? Or I'm gonna give this amount, sorry. I'm gonna give this amount and then you tell us the frequency, weekly, monthly, one time, okay? Uh, to support the vision of New Life Church and the total of. So if you're gonna give whatever the frequency is and then the total amount that you wanna, you wanna commit to and then we know, okay, so in the next three years, we're gonna have this amount from this person. Or in the next two years, we're gonna have this amount from these people. Those commitments are really important to us because it helps us get a baseline of, all right, this is the time frame we're looking at to be able to start this project. And if we get a lot of commitments in and people are saying, yeah, this is gonna happen, then it helps us to go to the trustees to say, hey, I think we're gonna be able to start this sooner than later. Um, but we're not gonna take on debt for this. So let us know and then just let us know your information. And, and what, what campus? If, if you were confused on that, you're at the Cabot campus currently. Just want to make sure that's totally clear, okay? You can give to a different campus if you want. Might hurt my feelings, but I mean, you can do that. And then you let us know. Okay, so you may not know what this is right now. I want you to pray about it. Pray about it and over between now and Christmas, pray about it and then bring it back to us at some point. I want to finish this year strong. I would love to be able to finish this year saying, man, I think we're going to be able to start this expansion within the next year. And that would be amazing, but we'll see, we'll see. I wanna pray for some folks. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. The most important thing we do is about souls. It's about salvation. So if you're here in this room right now and you're hearing to talk about money in church and you may not be from church, it's a little strange for you. The reality is this. This is the most important thing that we do. And that is to give an opportunity for salvation. In our first service today, we had eight people at the end of that service, raise their hand and say, I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I don't know what the number is gonna be in this service, but I do know that the Holy Spirit's been speaking to someone. And it may be that you already knew you needed this, you needed Jesus before you ever knew what we were gonna preach on today. And it may be that what I preached on didn't help that decision anymore or any less. But I hope, if nothing else, you understand this. You have value. You have value. Your value is established by what Jesus was willing to pay for you and he was willing to lay down his life for you. And if you've never had a personal relationship with him, I want you to have that opportunity. And it may be that you, you felt like you went through those motions, you said that prayer, but right now in your heart, you have no confidence that you're connected in relationship to your God. Eternity is real. We will all spend eternity somewhere. And the word says that the only way to the Father is through the Son. Without a total surrender of your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you would spend eternity separated from him. And I wanna give you an opportunity not to just know for a fact and have confidence that you can go to heaven, but also because I want you to be able to step out of the zoo cage and into the adventure that God has for you, into a purpose, into a life that's full. And if you're here today and you know you need to call on Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm gonna ask you just to be bold enough to admit it 
that I need him. That's you. I want you to put your hand up right now across this room. As soon as I see you, we can make eye contact and then you can put your hand down. But I want to let you know I'm praying with you right now. Anyone in this room, I need to surrender to Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Yes, ma'am. I got you over here. Thank you. Anyone else? I'm ready to call on you. I'm, I'm tired of playing games. I want to know that I know that I have a personal relationship with him. Got it. Thanks, brother. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Anyone else? I don't want to play games. I don't want to do the church thing. I don't want to do the religion thing. I want to do the relationship thing. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Anyone else? Okay. Father God, I thank you so much for bringing each one of those people into this place today. Thank you, Father, for speaking to them. Thank you for speaking to their hearts, Holy Spirit, drawing them to a place of repentance and confession before you. If you raise your hand, I just want to lead you in a prayer. You can say something like this. I encourage you to tell someone. You need to declare you're a Christ follower. Tell somebody as soon as the service is over. When given the opportunity, go public with your decision through water baptism. Right there, just talk to God. Say this. Say, Jesus, I need you because I'm a sinner. And I recognize that my sin separates me from a holy God. But I believe, Jesus, that you paid the price on the cross. And I ask for your forgiveness for my sin. I believe that you rose from the grave. I believe that when you did that, you defeated death so that I can have the hope of heaven. But you defeated my sin so I can live in freedom. So I can have a purpose. And God, I want to be released into that purpose. I don't know, the only way I can do that is I can't be calling the shots. You have to call the shots. So I surrender to you as Lord. I want you to have control. I want to live according to the leading of your spirit, the conviction of your word, connected to the body of believers. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for meeting us, speaking to those people's hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.